back at chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Would you repeat these words after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what God will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. He is puffed up and his desires are not upright, but the just shall live by faith. Amen. You may be seated. An examination in the life of the prophet Habakkuk whose name means to embrace and to wrestle. In the modern context, Habakkuk would certainly be a good candidate as a philosophy or theology student. He has the willingness, when you read these first two chapters at least, particularly chapter one, he has the willingness to wrestle with the unknown to wrestle with that which is of conflicting opinion, to take opposing views and to dissect them and to reduce them to particularities that he might find the diamonds that are hidden in the rough. He is willing to dig and even to pose questions that are contrary to what we might consider to be the norm. He is bold in raising his own criticism to that of the divine as he delivers his indictments in that first chapter. He tells us as his own observation has revealed that he is witnessing and has witnessed something troubling about the environment to which he is a part. And he goes through that first chapter, particularly the first four verses and levels different indictments against God in which would be contrary to our modern understanding. We are basically taught on many ways. One does not question God. We've been taught that since our childhood days. But again, no student, no philosopher could ever buy into that conclusion because questions are meant to be questions. They are meant to raise curiosity, and there's nothing wrong with being able to raise a question unto God. In all honesty, I don't think there's many of us in this room that hasn't raised a kind of question unto God that we may not want others to know that we've actually shared, but we've had our own 
moments in which things were happening before our eyes and we were asking God where are you what in the world are you doing in fact are you even up there how can you allow your eyes to witness what's happening before us is there not any intervention on your part are you going to do something are you going to remain silent how could you do this we could even take the posture of job and cry out if i could find out where you are i would look at you face to face and tell you i'm not happy as to what's going on and that's just looking out at the world but we've all had our own moments where we've stopped and asked God I'm not very happy about what's going on in my life it seems as if I'm being attacked that my life is being turned upside down that I'm on the lane of frustration that I'm walking through agony that you are allowing my life to have rain of trouble fall down on it and I just want to know are you up there are you hearing my prayers do you care anything about what's going on with me and I know I'm not the only one who felt like that but there are some other living witnesses in the house who's raised those very questions under God there's nothing wrong with that in fact the Bible is replete with particulars individuals who have raised critical questions unto God in fact I would contend I don't think I would want to serve a God who is infinite and sovereign and yet can't handle my little question unto you. I, I want to be committed to a God that I know that's able to not only handle my criticism of God, that's even able to handle my indictments against God, but is also willing to listen and in return provide for me hopefully some answers to my situation. And so that's where we find Habakkuk in chapter 1. His entire spirit has been destroyed, it's, it's been frustrated because when he looks out, the only thing he sees is evil triumphant over good. He does not see being righteous, being rewarding, but he sees those who are practitioners of the unjust and those who are engaging in immoral and in unethical practices, they are the ones who are exhaling in life. They are the ones who are enjoying the plenty of life. And Habakkuk is now wondering, wait a minute, I need to raise a question to God, and in doing so, I need to know why is God laid back and not saying anything in reference to these kinds of problems? And so in Habakkuk laid indictments. Number one, he says, God, you are insensitive. You, you don't really care about what's going on because I've been praying about this for a while and I've heard nothing from you. He says, God, you are not only insensitive, but you are indifferent. It seems to me that you've decided that the unrighteous is better served than the righteous, so you let the unrighteous excel, while those of us who are trying to do righteousness seem to be pushed further and down in the realm of the modernization. And then he says, God, you're not only insensitive and you're not only indifferent, but you are indeed inactive. You see all this happening and we hear nothing from your throne. And in verse 5 through 11 in chapter 1, God responds to Habakkuk and tells him, no, I'm neither because I'm going to indict you. You are incorrect. You just have not recognized what I'm doing. In fact, 
if I told you exactly what I was doing, you would not, not only understand, but you couldn't embrace it because you couldn't add all of the pieces to the puzzle together. In fact, he says to Habakkuk, I'm going to use the Babylonians to discipline Israel, and I've got to do it for two reasons. One, they think because they are excelling at the manner in which they are practicing, which they are major players in dehumanization. They are major players in trying to exploit people. And they think they're going to remain doing that year after year, day after day, it doesn't matter. I am going to handle them, but I'm also going to use them to discipline Israel because Israel replaced me with an idol God. You, you took and took me out of being priority and as I gave the word to Moses so I give to you I am a jealous God and thou shall have no other gods before me and you have replaced me with that which is inactive that which is not alive that which has no problem and Habakkuk I've got to deal with the people because they need to understand I will not allow anyone to take my place. And so I'm going to use the Babylonians to discipline Israel, but I'm also going to use the Medo-Persians to bring destruction to the Babylonians. And if you read Daniel chapter 5, you'll discover that as the Medo-Persians make their way in conquering Babylon, they don't know how close the Medo-Persians are. Daniel chapter 5 says that they're inside the city gates having a party, celebrating as Babylonians often did, getting drunk having excessive orgies, having a great time and God breaks in in the midnight of the party and begins to write on the wall and the words he writes on the wall is Mina, Mina, Tiko, Yefarsim thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting is the interpretation in other words, God is saying your days are numbered have a good time now, enjoy it right now because it's coming to a close real soon and Babylonian history tells us by 539 BC, the Medo-Persian captures the Babylonians and almost put them to total extinct. In fact, they are to a point where we really hear no more about them after the captivity of Israel because God is very well making the picture plain and clear. Habakkuk, I'm going to handle what you see but I'm gonna handle it in my time and in my way. And what I need for you to do is understand that to work with me and to walk with me, you have to walk by faith, not by what you see, but what you believe in your heart. You gotta have a faith relationship with me because sometimes I allow things to work themselves out, but in the end, I'm working all things together for the good, but you gotta wait on me, you gotta trust me, you gotta believe me, you gotta understand that I'm bringing all things the way that they need to be, but I'm not not operating off of your timetable for my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts but I'm bringing it all together for the good and you and I can testify to the fact that we've had to wait and watch as God worked things out for us we couldn't understand it we couldn't figure out what God was doing and why it was taking God so long but it's a good thing God doesn't allow us to get ahead of God because if God did that then we would kind of destroy what God was trying to bring out in the first place but we waited and in waiting we saw 
the victory at the end and because we waited we now look back and we know how we got over by trusting God by waiting on God by believing that God would bring all things to pass and and Habakkuk now after telling God his indictments and God tells him that no you are incorrect then Habakkuk has the nerve once again to raise another indictment against God because God tells him I'm using an ungodly nation an evil nation to bring discipline to a righteous people and Habakkuk says God you are now inconsistent you can't be a holy God and use unholy people to utilize and bring about your righteousness and justice. And God says he goes into a mode of silence. In chapter 2, it says that Habakkuk realized that he's not getting the answers that he wants. So he decides to take a step up and he goes up into the tower to which he can take and look out on the landscape and wait on God. Now in that first chapter, Habakkuk was teaching us that sometimes life has you worrying and wondering. But in the second chapter, he's going to hear God and God's going to tell him, instead of worrying and wondering, I want you to watch and wait watch and wait instead of worrying and wondering. Now we found out last Sunday that when you get rid of worrying and wondering and replace it with worship, it makes your life a whole lot easier and a whole lot better. Now, God is going to tell Habakkuk, I need for you to just simply watch and wait and that's that's God's word probably to somebody this morning who's been praying about something for a long time and you're consistently asking God how long how long is this thing going to be stretched out and God is replying by saying watch and wait but Habakkuk tells us something he goes up into his tower Habakkuk is telling us that whenever you can't get the answers that you need at surface level. Don't stay there. Go up to a higher level. Go on up to the presence of God and have a conversation with God. It tells us that Habakkuk had a special place that he went off and had his conversations with God. You need, I need a special place where we go off and just have an alone conversation with God. And I mean a place where you can just Tell it like it is. Tell God everything you want to tell God. Now, you won't do that in church because you don't want people watching you. You don't want people judging you. And you don't want to hear people saying the nerve of him or her to say X, Y, Z to God. But you and I know in the privacy of our own heart, in our own bedroom, in our own kitchen, in our own bathroom, when we talking with God, we lay it out. Lord, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. What's up with this? What's up with that? Do you care what I'm going through I need you to help a brother out help a sister out do you even recognize that my life is being rich to and from I just want to know how long and we won't do that in church because we're afraid of criticism but I'm here to tell you when that burden gets heavy enough and when that storm gets strong enough and when that pain hurts bad enough you'll cry out how long right here in the sanctuary so Habakkuk goes up higher 
And whenever your life is in that state where you can't find answers at lower level among humans, go up higher and have a conversation with God. His grandmama used to say, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He'll, he'll hear you and hear the, he'll answer you by and by. He'll let you know everything will be all right. The Bible says in verse 2 that Habakkuk goes up and stations himself. And he says, I will look and I will see. But most importantly, I'm going to have to just watch and wait to see what kind of answer God is going to give me. Now, there's nothing more that will wrench your life than for God to simply tell you, not now. You praying and you're right at the brink of what may appear to be destruction and you're crying out to God and God in response says, not right now. Not right now. Do, do you know the status of my existence, God? Are you blind? Are, are you not recognizing where I am? Not right now. That's not the answer I'm looking for. I need, yeah, right now, you on the way. And God still says, not right now. I need for you to watch and wait. And Habakkuk says that he goes up, and when he goes up, and he actually starts to watch and wait, and the Bible tells us in verse 2, God replied. He says to him, Habakkuk, this is what I want you to do. My answer for you is, is so life-changing that I want you to write it down. And when you write it down, I want you to write it down with plain language. Don't use anything complicated. Don't use any eruditish language. Don't use any scholarly language. Just write plain language so that anyone who sees it will take it and run with it and tell somebody else. That's a word right there. Here it is. Here it is. God says, why don't y'all stop trying to act like y'all up here in terms of who you are in the kingdom. In fact, act like you're down there as a child and go ahead and surrender yourself unto me and I'll give you answers. I'll give you directions. But I want you to write down, journalize how I'm blessing your life. And even though I'm not answering your prayer right now, how how many prayers have I already answered? How many times have I showed you that I got your back? I just need for you to watch and wait like you had to do before. Aren't we living witnesses that when we look back and discover how we got over and how many storms we came through, how many heartaches we survived, how many sicknesses we were rose from, how many deaths occurred in the family, and we still here? It's because God is saying you had to watch and wait until I brought about your change. Right here in the text. Write it down, he says. And I need for you to write it down so that when the moments get lean, you got something to refer to. You go back and look back and say, wait a minute, God delivered me something like this in 19XYZ. If God did it then, I got to believe he's going to do it right now. And I got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. 
So you should write down, you should journalize how God's blessed your life. Every major milestone, when I turn 20, when I turn 30, when I turn 40, when I turn 50, you ought to write it down because at each milestone, God is doing something in your life. And if you've noticed people have died in your life and haven't lived that long and you still here, you might want to make a note of that and remind yourself, I'm blessed and highly favored. I've got some favor in my life where I'm still alive and I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. So God is really telling Habakkuk, you're not only incorrect, Habakkuk, but you lack insight. You don't know everything. You, you don't know everything that I'm doing. And, I, and I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm doing, but I'm going to tell you enough. That's why I want you, says the text, to write it down and make it plain so that the herald can run with it. And understand, says God, the revelation, which really in the Hebrew is not revelation nor is it vision, but the prophecy. The prophecy is going to come to pass. It's for an appointed time because it speaks of an end. In other words, if it's a vision, you're not really sure if the end's going to come to pass. You hope it does, but you're not sure. You can have the faith that it will, but you're not sure. But a prophecy has got to come to pass because it doesn't depend on you and I. It depends on God following through on the prophecy. And that's what this is. And God tells Habakkuk, I want you to write it down. It's not going to be false. And he says to him, though it lingers, though your answer to your prayer is long out there, though, though it's delayed, that doesn't mean it's denied. Because God didn't answer you last night what you prayed about and you were looking for it this morning, that doesn't mean it's not on the way. But maybe God is moving and strategizing and putting things in place because we have to be prepared for answered prayers. And particularly when we're asking for blessings, we need to be prepared to make sure we're humble enough and ready to receive it. So God is working, organizing, putting all things together for your good. It's just delayed. And then there's something, when you wait on God and that delay turns into deliverance, you are some kind of happy. And you're happy because it always comes in time and on time. Never late. Never late. We think it's late, but it's never really late. It comes right when I'm about to fall out. All you got, all you got to do is ask Peter. And Peter says, as I walked on that water and as I began to sink... In time came a hand that stretched itself out to me and would not let me sink. Habakkuk, Zion, I, I need for you to wait. Listen, it, it may linger. You may have to hang out with it. Keep praying about it. It may linger, but wait on it, and it certainly will come to pass. But if it's a prophecy, it won't be delayed. That means it can't be delayed because it already has an appointed time. 
And so God tells Habakkuk in verse 4, and then I'm almost done, he says to him, listen, he says, when you look at what's happening in the world, and he spends the remaining of chapter 2 telling him about what's going on, and God says, I already know, I see it all. In fact, he sort of precludes every particular with the word woe, woe, woe. It's an old word that means here's a warning, and with the warning, there is some devastating act coming behind it. Get prepared, says God. It's coming on the way. You're not going to be able to avoid it. Jesus used it. John used it in Revelation, and God is using it with Habakkuk here, but he tells him in verse 4 of chapter 2, look at those who are practitioners of evil, and I know, I know you're trying to figure out why does evil have to do what it's doing. We, we, we are wrestling still with this what we call theodicy. Uh, the late Gottfried Leibniz, who was a German theologian and mathematician, gave us this term to describe how does evil and a righteous God exist in the same space. And we are spending our lifetime, and we'll spend our lifetime trying to figure out how does God permit righteousness, or evil, should I say, in the face of righteousness, and watch it, just watch it come about, and does no intervention. And there have been many who've defended it. There have others who've said that God has to do it because it allows the free will that he's instilled in man to carry out its execution. But Habakkuk says, I don't care about any of that. I just want to know when we're going to see this pain disappear. Have you noticed that you could care less about people's theories when you're going through it? You don't want to hear no theory. You want to hear an answer. You want to know what's going to happen and how long is it going to take? That's my next question. Dr. Tim, you got X, Y, Z. This was wrong. I want to know now how long is it going to take for it to go? How long do I have to work with this? How long I take this medicine? How long is it going to take this thing to heal? And if he says one day, I'm just as happy as a lot. Anything beyond a day, I'm troubled. That means I got to wrestle with it day in and day out. But God knew that Habakkuk could handle it because his name means to wrestle and to embrace, which means that even when I wrestle with something and I don't understand it, I got to find a way to embrace enough that I might survive. And God says the only way you can do that, look at them. They are puffed up. Read verse 4. They're puffed up. They think they got it going on, but for you, the just must live by faith. You got to live this journey, Habakkuk, by faith. And let me drop this on you. Habakkuk sort of tells me that when I have to live by faith, that means I have to get ready to handle what I might describe as the unexpected. I got to work with it. That's just it. It's just the way it is because God is saying what I'm doing is intentional, but to live by faith, here's a couple things you might want to remember. Number one, in this life, you're going to have some unanswered prayers. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to lay some stuff before the Lord and you're not going to get an answer. You're not going to get a healing. Contrary to what they tell you in prosperity gospel, you, ain't, you may not be healed. That's the reality of life. That's the real world you live in. So I got to understand, there may be some prayers that I'm praying 
I may not get an answer to. The other thing is, there are some unresolved problems that I must admit I may never see solved. I may never see these things solved, particularly when we talk about social ills, I may never see that corrected in my lifetime. And I got to live with the fact that it may not come to pass, and I got to prayerfully hope that maybe the next generation will be bold enough, creative enough, intuitive enough to bring about change. But I have to admit, I may have to wrestle with some unresolved problems. I also have to deal with unfulfilled predictions slash dreams. There's some things that I want to do, it may never come to pass. Now you want to talk about something that hurts you. Think about something that you just saw. You visualize that you just knew it was there and it doesn't come to pass. It doesn't happen. What you going to do? Throw in the towel? Stop living? More importantly, stop trusting God? Because I'm learning now as I get older, I'm almost 60, I'm realizing some of your dreams aren't going to come to pass. Not going to happen. I know you can do all things through Christ that strengthen you. I got it. I got it. But the reality is there are many people sleeping in the graveyard whose dreams never came to pass. Now, it doesn't stop me from dreaming, but it helps me realize if it becomes unfulfilled, don't fall out about it. Just go on to the next dream and keep pushing on. I also got to come to realize there are some unexpected pressures that I'm going to have to deal with. Pressures, which means like Habakkuk, look at all this stuff that's going on, God. Is it ever going to get any better? I, I, I can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you that. One reason why I gave you what I gave you is because in some small, minute way, others, it may be in a larger way, I want you to, I want you to contribute to solving the problem. The problem might not even be in the public. The problem might be private. All of, well, I shouldn't say all of us, many of us got folk in our family that, you know, they are our prayer subjects. So, you know, we pray for our husband, wives, children, mom and dad, all that, but we got some relatives, they are our prayer subjects. And when we see them coming, Lord, I need a fresh anointing for this moment. Because I know they're going to come with drama. They're going to come with some challenge. They're going to come with some issues. And worse than that, they are hard-headed. No matter what you say, you ever seen about it? Got all the answers. Got all the answers. They done been around the world three times, talked to everybody twice. You can't tell them nothing. They know everything. And those are your prayer subjects. And those are the pressures you got to experience. 
there are people on your job who will create unexpected pressures. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, you don't mind a cordial conversation. We work together. We got to look at each other every day, so we might as well get along, right? But they bring you a whole truckload of all day parents' issues, their family issues, their marital issues. I mean, you can get, some people can overwhelm you so much that at the end of the day, when the time comes for you to get off, this is all you do. <laughs> Your coworker about, you going home? Yeah, at some point. Just so wore out, man. It, I'm, I'm, where you wore from? What'd you do today? You don't even want to know. Trust me. But that's there. Or you may have people in your own household who create pressures. Children, you tell them it's green, they declare that it's blue. It's green. Everybody else knows it's green, but they see blue. You tell them the curfew is 10 and they're going to push it to 11. You exercise your wisdom in telling them in their dating, oh, that, that, that person there, you might want to double look. I, I'm in love. I ain't, uh-uh. You ain't but 15. What you know about love? You ain't have all your real hair yet. How you know what love is? But that's a pressure. And you go to bed at night praying, Lord, did you really give me this child? Is this a gift of the womb? Because right now where I'm looking, this looks more like a trouble from the womb. But it's a pressure. And then I'm going to bring it home. And then you have to deal with unexpected pressures from church. So you go through all that during the week and you're waiting to get to church on Sunday because in church you're expecting to be revived, restored. You're expected to be strengthened. And what are you introduced to? Petty drama. Just stuff. Stuff that we fussing and fighting about. Just has no legitimacy has no contribution to worship, has no contribution to discipleship growth, nothing, just stuff. You in your way and you want everybody to know you in your way. Then I've got to face the fact that I'm going to have to deal with unreasonable politics. No matter what my political affiliation is, if you got one, it doesn't matter. There is still always some politics in how we do it uh, and what's being conveyed and what's being pushed forward. Uh, it's not always reasonable. And it's not always, uh, in the words of John Stuart Mill, it's not always utilitarian. It's not always for everybody. It's for particular factions of the population. I gotta deal with it. Can't stop living because our social ills and sins continue to reign, I gotta keep living. 
And God tells Habakkuk from chapter, in chapter 2 from verse 5 all the way to the closing of the chapter. And the only way you can do that is to live by faith. It's all you have. You can't look into tomorrow. You don't have that capability. In fact, Jesus says, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Tomorrow got enough problems of its own. You just need to take care of today and celebrate today. Can't do anything about what happened yesterday. It's already done. It's history. But worry about what you can do today. And when it comes to kingdom business, live by faith. That's all I can do. And newsflash, that's all you can do is to live by faith. And hopefully, you'll walk in the victory that God has in store for you. God tells it back, I'm going to deal with the greed. I'm going to deal with the exploitation. I'm going to deal with the forced labor, unjust labor. I'm going to deal with the environmental issues that's taking place. I'm going to deal with drunkenness. I'm going to deal with idol worship. In the meantime, you let me be me and you be you and walk by faith and not by sight. In Psalm 37, the writer says, fret not thyself for evildoers, for they shall soon be cut off. And we are wrestling with soon. When is soon? And the rest of the chapter, read Psalm 37, the rest of the chapter, God addresses the wicked and how eventually, eventually, keep watching. That's why he tells Habakkuk to watch and wait. Keep looking. I'm dealing with them. But eventually they're going to go away like the withering grass that couldn't find water. And sometimes you have to look evil in this face and say, you, you may have won the battle today, but you ain't gonna never win the war. And I might not live to see it, but I got a belief in a God that he will right the wrong. And so all God is saying is there's a bright side somewhere. Don't you rest until you find it. There's a bright side somewhere. Live by faith. Lord, this morning, thank you for the word. Thank you for the power of the life of a